Hey, take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. Whether you need to turn the pages there or double-click there, you go to Luke chapter 1. We are in the process of uh, walking through, savoring through the events leading up to the birth of Christ. Next week, we're going to be seeing the birth of the one in the one. And uh, God has been silent for some 400 years. He has not been absent, but he has been silent. He's actually been hard at work. The earth and everything around that's been going on and setting up uh, this period of time has been put into place. Languages, highways, things going on all during the 400 years between the last verse of the Old Testament, the beginning of the New Testament, and, and we're stepping in and and God's presence is clearly stepping back into action. This is exciting times. So here's what I would ask. I would ask, we're going to read uh, from last Sunday, verses 5 through uh, 25. And could we all stand? And let's read that together, standing today. And let's read God's word, starting in verse 5 of Luke chapter 1. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he, Zechariah, was serving as priest before God when his division uh, was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bury you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and they will go before him in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Zechariah said to the Lord, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, Dude, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple, and When he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, 
he went home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Lord, I pray as we enter your word here from verse 26 on, God, I I would ask that you would just show yourself mighty. Lord, this is your story. And yet it's not a fairy tale. It's not a cartoon. This is real history and this is redemptive history. Lord, I pray today we would just savor it. We would just be enamored by you and what you've done. And Lord, it would also just challenge us to continue on, to continue further, to continue faster towards you. Lord, I pray for the uh, people in the churches in the Connecticut area, in the Newtown area. God, I just pray that uh, your word would be strong there this morning. God, I can't even fathom. And yet the reality is, is you know what it's like to have utter evil, to have utter wickedness, undeserved, thrown at you. You understand that situation far more than any of us ever could. And Lord, if it were not for your grace, that would be happening every moment of every day. But in your grace, you literally are holding back evil like that to what its potential could be hell on earth. So, Lord, we pray for those dear folks. I pray that uh, you would comfort them and love on them. And it is hard to understand for us. But you're big. And that's why we do what we do today. Because you're big. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please have a seat. Zachariah and Elizabeth uh, so fully exemplify what it is to be a, a person and to be a couple that lives for God's story and God's glory. Uh, verse 6 is so key in all of chapter 1. Uh, they were walking righteously before the Lord. They were walking blamelessly before the Lord. That's the call for you and I. That's the call for you and I. And yet even in that, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, they knew life disappointment. Verse 7, here they are childless with an elderly. And in the hurt and in the pain, they, they walk righteously and they, they walk blamelessly before the Lord. We talked last Sunday about uh, where's God in all of that kind of hurt. And we talked and saw how he is all over it. He was in the decades of barrenness. He was in the dice. He was in the temple, and he's in their future. And by the way, in light of what happened, even after all the decades of hurt, I really don't think that Zachariah and Elizabeth were now like, huh, I wish I would have had a different path. I think at this point in time, after Gabriel showed up, they are like, we are so jacked up about what God has to do in our lives. This is stunning and unbelievable. It's an amazing story. God stepped in. 
Well, we're going to now, verse 26 and following through 56, we're going to take a look at uh, God stepping into someone else's life, a teen's life, bless her heart. And uh, let's pick up in verse 26. You there? Here we go. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. So Gabriel's back at it. Sent from God to a city of Galilee. Galilee is a region named Nazareth. Uh, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. It's been six months since Elizabeth's pregnancy. That means it's been a month, uh, verse 25, since uh, Elizabeth uh, went public with her pregnancy on it. Uh, Gabriel is sent by God, and, and he shows up in Nazareth. Um, you can see on the screen where Nazareth is. It's in the northern region of Israel. Uh, it's an interesting place at the time because uh, that part of Israel was viewed by the people down south as that's kind of where the unkosher people lived. Uh, that's not really where the, the real uh, Jews lived, if you will. They were looked down upon. Um, and the reason for that was they lived up close to where they had uh, more contact with gentiles with the dogs as they would talk about it at the time and so nazareth is not like the pinnacle of the place to live um i would not call avon like mecca um the west side of indianapolis like mecca i would just call it normal place you know others in the other part of the city may laugh at us but hey god's here right and uh, I'm okay. I'm okay with this. These folks, bless their hearts, uh, they were hicks. And uh, I embrace hickness. And uh, we can relate to this. And I mean that seriously in some aspects of that uh, because we can get that. By the way, Gabriel was sent to who? Mary. Uh, here's Mary, a, a Jewess a, a from the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David, a teen, a virgin, uh, very poor from that area. And she's betrothed to a carpenter named Joseph, who uh, most likely was also very poor. Uh, just kind of a note on the contextual background of engagement, uh, as you hear about the Christmas story and that unfolds. Um, the selection of the bride was usually left to the families. But uh, in the Old Testament, you see some variations to that. A couple of those include uh, sometimes a woman fa woman's family chose the mate, as is Saul and Naomi. Others, the groom made the selection and then prevailed upon the family to work it out. That was with uh, Samson and Shechem. Uh, sometimes a family sought consent of the daughter. Uh, Rebecca was one. But sometimes we think of uh, engagement back in that day as, you know, um, a business deal. Give me your daughter for so many camels kind of a thing. And it wasn't necessarily always that way because that gives the impression sometimes that love was not a part of the deal. It was. In fact, uh, love was a part of the thing. Not always, but it was a part of it. And here uh, Mary and Joseph are betrothed. Some of the uniquenesses about the time with that was engage, regarding engagement was uh, engagement called for a solemn oral commitment in the presence of witnesses. I'd love that if that happened today. No, no, I don't mean that like try and make it really st more stressful for a person who's going and proposing, but I think there's a togetherness thing here that's happening here. And in the engagement back in that day, it was, it was to be like an oral commitment before people. Uh, the bride's father usually presented a dowry to the groom, sometimes even to the daughter. A, a bridegroom would generally present gifts of jewelry. We do a ring, but they would present gifts of jewelry and clothes at the time. Um, engagement was looked on very highly because marriage was looked on very highly. 
Uh, engagement implied a commitment that was nearly as binding as marriage. And in fact, when a couple was engaged, they would actually be called husband and wife during the time. If the uh, groom died during an engagement period of time, uh, the, the bride would be called a widow as a result of that at the time. Um, engaged couples were referred to as husband and wife. Cohabitation, sexual intimacy before marriage was viewed as a sin and uh, actually was called adultery um, if that took place at the time. If the engagement dissolved, it went through a whole process that was equivalent to a divorce proceedings. And so just kind of set that in your mind as we proceed in the coming uh, couple Sundays. Well, let's pick up verse 28. And he came to her, Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. We need to pause, and I'm going to, these couple, uh, next coming verses, we're going to be spending a, a bit more time um, on these coming verses to explain some things. First, greetings. I mean, Harry, here Mary is just going along doing life, and all of a sudden this angel just shows up. And this is Gabriel. This is like top dog angel. This is like the big dude. And he shows up and, and, and like Mary wasn't waiting for this. Mary didn't know this was going to happen. I mean, just literally trying to imagine that for you. You're, you're a young teen and all of a sudden Gabriel shows up. Boom. Uh, in that, uh, just that whole setting of it. And, and he says, greetings. Uh, uh, this was a common word that was used. We're going to get into some Greek here. It was a common word that was used at the day. It, it's, it's written in an imperative form. That means that this isn't just like the walking along the road going, hey, yo, you know, doing the guy's head nod kind of thing. Uh, instead, this was like, a, I, I'm, I'm excited to see you. Uh, greetings. Uh, greetings. Uh, with some emphasis behind it. And yet in this, the next statement is key. O favored one. This one can uh, lead to and has led to some really uh, bad theology. Uh, let me set uh, this. It is called a, uh, grammatically, the form of what's being said here is a perfect passive participle. Participle, we'll just say it's like, it's like a verb. So here, O favored one, and it's perfect passive, a perfect uh, has the idea of it that it's referring to something that's happened back in time. Uh, one of the benefits of Greek is it has some of these details to it. It's not saying that it happens now. That's present active. It's not saying that it just happened and like it's done and over. That's error's form. And it's not passive, or I'm sorry, it's not future, something happening in the future, but it's perfect form. That means that it's an action that has happened in the past, now, it could have happened five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, a day ago, a week ago, a year ago, decades ago. But it's an action that happened in the past that has ongoing implications, okay? Like if you went out and uh, dug a hole in your backyard and then filled it in, that doesn't really have ongoing implications for you today. That would be an aorist form. This is a perfect form, so it'd be more like this. Jesus Christ died on the cross. That was an action that took place at a period of time that has continuing ongoing ramifications to it. And so what's happening here is Gabriel's addressing Mary. He's using the perfect form of this verbiage here. And he's saying, oh, favored one, it's a perfect form. It's also passive. It's perfect passive participle. Passive means that Mary did not do the action. Passive means that the action was done upon the person. 
So what's being said here is, Mary, there was a point in time where an action happened on you, and there's ongoing ramifications of that action. Now, the question is, is what action was that, and when did that happen? I think here, when you look in this, this idea, I would say it this, Mary is the object of God's benefit. Favor has been bestowed upon Mary that, ha- that will and has had ongoing implications to her. Mary, I'll say it this way, Mary has been graced by God. No, I think in this clearly, when you see the flow of the text, when you see how scripture talks about this, it carries this idea that, in other words, he's coming and he's saying, Mary, greetings. You've been graced by God of which I have something to tell you about that's going to happen. I think that's exactly what's happening here. And that thing that God is going to be doing upon you is going to be having implications for into the years and future and for eternity. I just want to let you know, some would take this verse and this would be a key verse for building out what's called the Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate Conception is oftentimes, if you're not familiar with it, thought that it's referring to Uh, the conception of Jesus Christ and the virgin birth. It's not referring to that. It's actually referring to the conception of Mary. Immaculate conception has this idea that Mary, through her mother and father, was conceived through natural form, but yet in it, God, perfect form idea, that God graced her at that point in time. And literally the theology is that she did not have the stain of original sin upon her. Uh, Friends, I just need to let you know, nowhere in the Bible does it teach that. And in fact, those who hold to that theology, honestly, at times uh, I've seen it written, state you cannot prove, you cannot build that theology out of the Bible. You actually have to go to extracurricular sources to be able to build that. And it was in 1854 um, when the Pope actually ended up making that the official position. And I just want to let you know, this is not a Protestant versus Catholic thing. This is purely a what's biblical thing. And here's the big deal. Mary was a regular young lady. And if you begin to take Mary and put her into this fourth person of the Trinity kind of a thing, that now begins to mean that Jesus was not born of man. Jesus was born of God and a man superior thing. In fact, when you come and we'll see here in a moment when it talks about the son of the most high, the son of God, the son of man, the son has this idea of equivalent of, not born of, not lesser than, but like equivalent of. And in Mark, Jesus uses so often the term, I'm the son of man. That means that he's the equivalent one of man. He's the perfect representation of man. He's man in the flesh. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He's gone through life like you and I have. And that's why he paid the price on the cross for you and I. Because he was our exact representation. But if you begin playing with the theology and making mom and the whole situation something more different than it really was, Jesus isn't our exact representation. He's something other than an exact representation. And here's the glory. He was our exact representation. And this is so important in understanding that because you cannot work to move towards a works-generated theology. 
not only of salvation, but even walking life with God. Mary did not earn this. God, Psalm 139, ordained the time and the places and the people. And here, God showed up and perfect passived Mary. I have something for you, sweetheart. And this is really awesome. Theology class is over. Greetings, well, it keeps going. This is all theology. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. That last statement, the Lord is with you. Uh, That's not in a typical greeting. Uh, In fact, this was a greeting. When you look at the Old Testament, you see this wordage being applied to certain situations. For instance, Isaac, Genesis 26, 24. Jacob, Genesis 28, 15. Moses at the burning bush, Exodus 31, 12. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, 8. God uh, uh, uses this, the, or this statement, the Lord is with you. It, it has this idea. Mary is being acknowledged as one chosen by God by a special task, just like everybody else before that. Uh, by the way, including Zachariah and Elizabeth. Mary is a special tool here, but Mary is a normal human being. Very important to understand here. And he came to her, Gabriel, verse 28, and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Again, this, I think, adds, as we see this, adds to the whole reality of who Mary is. Mary wasn't expecting that. She wasn't like, it's about time. It's about time I've been down here functioning without original sin, and now, okay, thanks. That's not what's going on. She's actually troubled by this. In other words, she's kind of confused and perplexed. What's going on here? Well, what's happening here? She has, or there's the word she's discerning. It's this idea of considering or pondering. It's a sense that uh, she's trying to understand what's going on. And yet there's a sense of surprise in this. She's not expecting this. It's like, wow, this wasn't on my agenda for the day. Where are you going with this? Bless her heart. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this was. I love this next thing. This is how God is. He was this way with Zechariah. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. How sweet is that? Mary, it's okay. Mary, hold on. Listen, please don't have a heart attack on me. It's all right. And then look what he says. You have found favor with God. That's a statement that's very easy to kind of take and turn into the kind of a way to where it's like, Mary, because of who you are and because of what you've done, you have earned God's favor. See what I'm saying? It could easily be taken and read that way. Because of who you are, you have found favor with God. That's not what's happening here. Mary, you found. It's like, surprise, wasn't expecting that. I'm digging in the backyard and gold nugget. I I found something. I didn't expect it. I didn't know it was there. And and I found it. Mary, you found what? You found favor with God. This is all grace, folks. This is all grace. This passage exudes the fact that everything comes out of grace. God doing with us, for us, through us what we don't deserve. And God gracing her. How sweet is that? You have found favor. Surprise. Verse 31, and behold, here's the bomb. 
you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Uh, Here in this, there's four statements. Number one, do not be afraid. Mary, I got some good news for you. By the way, about six months ago, gave some good news to Zach. He didn't respond so well. I had to zip his lip. Um, But Mary got some good news for you. Again, I just say, can you imagine doing life as a young teen? Gabriel shows up and it's like, hey, I got some good news for you. Verse statement two, you found favor with God. I've explained that. It's, it's all of a sudden, it's not something earned, but it's something discovered. It's this attractiveness with God. God God's, got, God's got a task for you, my girl. Statement number three, you will conceive future. It's not right now, but it's in the future. You will become pregnant. You will give birth, not now, but in the future. And then he gives six specific things around this whole conception thing going on. Number one, you're going to give birth to a boy. So much for the pencil over the belly or the, you know, I, all the kinds of things that are out there for, is it a boy or a girl? How would that be? It's like, I already know from day one what's going on with this thing. It's a boy, not an alien and not something unhuman. And I mean that seriously. It's going to be a human and his boy. His name is Jesus. Again, love this. Save me from the name books. His name will be Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. What a reminder is that? Jehovah is salvation. He will be great, really talking about the place and position in reference to other humans. He will be called son of the most high. Already uh, touched on that. It's, it's talking about equivalent one. It's the same as. He is the same as the most high. Uh, God will give him David's throne. Uh, That will still happen. He will be the reigning king. Uh, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, an Old Testament covenant fulfillment. And these six statements bring in the reality uh, of so much theology here because it's telling us that Jesus Christ is, is humanity, sonship, kingship, messiahship, all wrapped up in this baby. This is no regular baby. Fully God. Fully man. And I love here now how Mary joins in, although she does have a question. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's a great question, Mary. Uh, Noted, verse 18, chapter 1, uh, Zechariah said, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. Um, Gabriel zipped Zechariah's lip. He does not do that to Mary. Wait a second. That's not very fair, us guys are thinking. Uh, You know, here's what happened. Uh, Take a look up in verse 20, because Gabriel says about uh, Zechariah at the end of it, because you did not believe my words. Now go ahead in chapter 1 to verse 45, and we'll be there here in a little bit. And it says, Elizabeth is saying about Mary... Verse 45, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. What's going on here? Here's what's going on here. Zechariah questioned the promise and the how to. But here Mary believed the promise, but questioned the how. Zechariah questioned the whole concept. Like, what? What? Mary's more like, okay, whoa. I'm going to conceive, 
I'm going to have a baby. Um, but how's this going to happen? It's really a neat thing here. Because there is the aspect, I don't want to so take away from Mary that I don't acknowledge the maturity in this young girl. Zachariah, older, a priest. He's pushing back to God. And here's Mary like, um, we'll see here in just a second. How will this be since I am a virgin? Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy or set apart, the son of God, the equivalent one of God, the same as God. This is divinity in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity. So Gabriel explains how the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to come alongside you. He's going to appear. He's going to show up. He's going to step in, Mary. And trust me, uh, the Godhead is in the game of creating. And they can do it however they want. And they'll make this happen, Mary. And he will just overshadow you, and you will have a, a child within you. Uh, shadow, shadow on. Uh, his power will fall upon you. Verse 36 and 37. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, Gabriel is telling Mary, in her old age has also conceived a son. Now, now get what's happening here. Gabriel comes and says, uh, uh, surprise, <laughs> you're going to give birth to the Messiah. And she's like, okay, I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. But like, how? And Gabriel goes, well, this is how the spirit of God is just going to make that happen. And then look at how he comes so personal all the way down. And he tells Mary already what God's been doing. Look. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. By the way, how long ago was it that Elizabeth uh, began telling people? Answer, a month ago. It's very possible, because they didn't live in the same town, it's very possible that Mary didn't know this. And so all of a sudden she's getting the inside information behind the curtain that it's like, hey, I want for you to know, you know, the, the older relative that you have, guess what? She's pregnant. No way. She is. No way. She is. How encouraging must this be for Mary to know she's not alone in this whole thing. God's already been at work. Uh, and it goes on to say, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary, that's how. Mary, I got it all taken care of. God's got it all taken care of. It's okay, Mary. I understand you may not know the how, but Mary, God is bigger than you. He knows what he's doing. And Mary responds, oh, I love this. And Mary said, um, I got a party next week. Um, man, this really blows prom. Um, you know, Gabriel, I, I like that idea and that's really cool, but you know, I'm about to enter college. And I've got career goals. And I've kind of had in the back of my dream, I'd, I'd like to go to Hollywood. I'd like to become an actor. You don't see any of this. Look at those that happens. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. We've talked about this term for some weeks now. Servant, it means slave. It's actually the Greek is doule. It's the feminine form of doulos. I am the Lord's slave. 
I am the Lord's handmaid. Whatever he wants to do, you know that. Dulos. Oh, what a teen. What a teen. Hey, teens, is this you? Is this you? I mean, adults, is this you? <laughs> Uh, God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. Uh, here in this whole thing, Mary, like, she didn't have this on her day timer. She pulled out her iPhone. She's skipping through the dates. And it's like, I'm not seeing this. But God's got a plan. And it's like, wait a second. And she's like, you know what? I've been a doulos. I am a doulos. It's all for you because it's not about my story, my glory. It's about your story and your glory. So it's like doulos. Oh, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I don't need any other data. I don't need the facts. You don't need to do me the fleece thing outside. You don't need to do nothing. Guess what? Just because you said it, I will do it because I am your doulos. Can I just even ask, are we that way with God's word? What God says, we're to do. But, but no, what God says were to do. What a girl. What a girl. Verse 39. By the way, let me just remind us here. Everything was about that was going to likely come out of this fact. What's she going to tell her fiance? You see, this angel showed up. And I got pregnant. I don't think I'd be believing that, tell you the truth. She knew all the stuff that was about to come. Listen, when you make choices in life, even if they're sinful choices in life, you know how people can be unforgiving. You know how people can be hard and cruel. But even in this, Mary is about to be unleashed on. Stuff that we don't even know because the Bible doesn't even tell us all about it. But I'm going to tell you, you think the gossip was going on in Nazareth? Oh, my, my, my. And yet she's still like, bring it on. That's okay. That's okay. Man, what a gal. Verse 39. So what does she do in those days? Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country. (laughs) Sounds like she's running to hide. But she's actually going to the town in Judah and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Well, why would she go there? Well, because just a little bit ago, I was told that Elizabeth is pregnant. Listen, I got to tell you, when I'm in a hard time, don't, don't you want to go to the person or persons who like get you? I'll say this though, we all get hurt. So you don't have to go to the person who's gone through the exact kind of thing you've gone through, but do go get help. Get around people. We've been designed to be people to doing life together. And so here she goes and she runs over to Elizabeth. Look at this verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, it's not like anything else. Just like, uh, hello, Elizabeth, whatever Mary said. The baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. Pajink. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. I don't know how else to describe that. <laughs> I haven't been pregnant and, you know, I've seen the baby move thing and kind of stuff. But with that, can you just imagine it's like, whoop, in there. I, oh, I won't go anymore. 
And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She's filled with the Holy Spirit, and what's the result of this? She speaks truth. Watch this. And she exclaimed in a loud cry. Oh, by the way, she didn't just go, Oh, Mary, I have something very insightful to tell you. I mean, this Elizabeth is just jazzed. And she's a loud cry. Blessed are you among women. Hey, how did she know that? Who told her? The Spirit of God. There's been no uh, articles written out. There's been no uh, notes sent. I mean, Mary has all this happen, and she's like going over, and Elizabeth's like, you're pregnant. Or, yeah. She seemed a loud voice, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How does she know all this? And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to... How does she know this is the mother of the Lord? How does she know this is the Lord? The Spirit. Verse 44. Behold, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. How did she know the baby leaped for joy? How did she know that maybe the baby was just like really uncomfortable? And Because we learn later about John. John's kind of an eccentric dude in a lot of ways. But here she knows joy. I'm telling you folks, this is just so sweet. God knows what's going on. And God reveals what God reveals when he's going to reveal it. Verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. How did Elizabeth know that? How did Elizabeth know Mary's very heart when the Gabriel came and said what was going to happen? And that Mary believed Gabriel, the spirit of God. The baby leaps in her womb, Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth proclaims truth. And can you imagine the encouragement this must have been for Mary? Somebody gets me. I'm about to be ridiculed. I'm about to be mocked. And yet someone gets me. Oh, how encouraging for this young gal. How encouraging for Elizabeth. I mean, how encouraging that these these two ladies are now a team. In fact, look at uh, verse 56. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Three months, let's see, six months plus three months. Hmm. It's getting pretty close, isn't it? To when Elizabeth is going to give birth. I wonder what happened over those three months. The conversations between Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth, this is what happened for me. What did Gabriel like look like for you? And all that had to have been talked about. And can I just say, God has been silent for 400 years. He's been silently working and crafting and moving history over 400 years for the perfect time for the Messiah to come. And then all of a sudden, if you will, from like a moon view, from a Godhead view, you look down and here's these two girls. And God's about to do something awesome. Can you just imagine the heavenlies? It's happening. It's happening. 
It's happening ever since Genesis chapter 3. When God said there will be one that will bruise Satan's head, guess what? It's coming now. And ladies, way to go. Because these two girls know some information that a bunch of other people, they don't have a clue about. And I'll also add, I mean this in the right way, these are two hit girls. These aren't people that are rich and they got the status and they've got all the degrees and they've got the position that you would expect. Verse 6. Righteous before the Lord and walking blamelessly. Well, the Magnificent. Let me read this and I just want to read it through. I'll try not to talk too much. Verse 46 through 55. I remember right before here, Elizabeth has spoken and proclaimed all these amazing things. And verse 46, and Mary responds. My soul magnifies the Lord. I do want to pause right there. (laughs) Because who who is Mary all about? She's all about the Lord. She's all about magnifying the Lord. We don't see her here right at this point going, oh crud, all the stuff that's going to come, about to come down on me, oh cheapers, creepers. No, no, my soul magnifies the Lord, magnify. It's the idea of taking something that maybe that ant on the pavement that looks so small that when you get the magnifying glass, it like gets way bigger. That's what I want to do. I want to magnify the Lord. Way to go, girl. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God. Oh, by the way, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. That is not a bragging statement. That is not like a neener, neener, all you ladies. That is a, can you believe this? People will call me blessed. I'm just this young girl. Hick world. God is awesome. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy or set apart is his name. Now she turns to praising God for generations to come of those who are redeemed. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. The last two verses, she gives praise for what God's done with Israel. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Two things I just want to wrap up on. One, God does what he says. I just want for everyone to be reassured of this. God does what he says. If God says he can be trusted, he can be trusted. God says he is faithful, he is faithful. If God says he is righteous, he is righteous. 
If God says he is holy, he is holy. If God says he is sovereign, he is sovereign. Even when we don't get things. Like Connecticut. God still is exactly who God says that he is. God does what he says. That means, by the way, he's coming back. It's going to happen. I don't know when. Today would be fine. After the Christmas at the... (laughs) God does what he says because he is who he is. Second thing, just to close. I just want to remind you the importance of the typical. The importance of the typical. It's easy to read a story like this and kind of go, uh, you know, Lord, I'd really love it if you did something awesome with me. I I would just ask that, uh, I appreciate that yearning to want to do something great with the Lord and for the Lord. But I might just say this, um, chapter one, verse six is the key of all of this. Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous before the Lord, walking blamelessly. That's our job. I think we see three people, Zachariah, Elizabeth, and Mary. Three people here who are coming along and they're just doing life for God's glory. They're not looking for the big Hollywood moment. They're not looking for the glamour moment. They're not looking for the put me on the stage moment. They're not looking for that. That's not the goal. That's not the objective. They're just doing everyday life for Lord's glory. And then every so often God shows up and does something like cool. But just know this, uh, the one's already been born and the other one's already been born and taken care of. So that kind of thing isn't going to happen with any of us. But God does want to do stuff with us. But don't lose sight of the typical. Part of what I bring out of this story is I see this all surrounding the magnificent birth of Christ. These are just three normal people. But available and usable for God to be able to do a work in them. And yet every day, every moment was about the Lord's glory. Even in the hurt of life, it was about the Lord's glory. Even in the joy of life, it was about the Lord's glory. Please don't walk away from this and go, I'm a nothing. I have no ability, no opportunity to be used greatly by the Lord. That is the wrong way to walk away from this. Instead, the right way to walk away from this is to go, this is so awesome. Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary, they're just hicks. Walking for the Lord. And God did something great with them. Oh, Lord. May I just walk with you and let you take care of that. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you so much for these three people that you've told us about. You could have just told us that, that the Messiah was born, but uh, you, you explain your story. You, you fill it in. You surround it with, with the truths of, of amazing stories, regular people, regular people like us. We're nothing special. We're nothing great. But for the person who's been redeemed in Jesus Christ, Lord, oh, I pray that we would be consumed with the reality of walking with you and for you. This is your story and your glory. Today, this is about you, Lord, and not about me, not about any of us. 
And if it's already been about me or if it's been about us already today, oh God, I pray that we would repent of that and we would get it all about you. The joys of life, it's all about you. The hurts of life, it's all about you. The confusion of life, it's all about you. Oh God, I just pray we would be increasingly doulos kind of people. Do with us what you would want. Yes, we plan. Yes, we think. Yes, we move ahead. But God, this is your story, your glory. And I pray everything that we plan out would be written in pencil. Except for the verse 6. God, I pray that would be in pen. That we would be purposing in everyday life to live rightly before you, walking blamelessly before you, doing what you've asked us to do. God, may that be the pen that we have through everything. Useful tools for your using. Thank you that you use normal people. It gives me hope. It gives us hope. Thank you for being God. In your name we pray. Amen.